Welcome to Tech in the Right Direction, the podcast. Since its inception, Jennifer has interviewed many prominent women in the industry to help turn ideas to action and grow a network that can help build a better future for women. Women remain the driving force behind this growth, but male allies can play a critical role in helping to bring about these changes. That is why Jennifer has launched Mentors That Make a Difference, a spinoff series that allows men to speak on their experiences and share how they are helping drive social change to close the employment, pay, and culture gap for women in technology. We hope this new segment will continue to inspire change and encourage growth of women in the industry. Listen in as these collaborative stories start right now. Welcome to Tech in the Right Direction, the podcast. This week, I'll be speaking with Ryan Estes. Ryan is the co-founder of Kitcaster. He validates and scales Kitcaster products. Prior to Kitcaster, Ryan owned a media and marketing agency for 10 years. For eight of those years, he has hosted the Founders Podcast Talk Launch. Consistently ranked in the iTunes Top 100 podcast, he has recorded 300 plus interviews with more than a quarter million downloads. Ryan, I'm so excited to have you on the Mentors That Make a Difference segment of our show. Thank you so much for being an ally for women in technology. Tell us more about you. Jennifer, thank you. I really appreciate being on the show. I'm, I'm super excited for this conversation. Um, so a little bit about me. I, I'm kind of a simple guy. I, uh, I'm an entrepreneur here in Denver. I'm a, a dad. I've got two teenage kiddos. Um, and I'm a, a, a martial artist, among other things. But um, lately, I've been really into yoga, which has been feeling so good, particularly, I mean, it's, it's uh, what are we in, mid-February right now? And just heating the bones with yoga has been what I've been all about. That's great. Um, I loved yoga, but it was really tough on me. So now I'm doing Pilates instead. But are you doing the hot yoga? Yeah, you know, there's core power yoga. So mm. I don't know if there's kind of a lineage associated with it. Um, <laughs> but, but generally, the, the rooms are about 100 degrees and it, it right. just feels extraordinary. Oh, God, I would love that. I'm going to have to look for a place that does that near me. So that's great. Um, so, you know, this podcast is focused on bridging the employment pay and culture gap for women in technology. What are you seeing in the industry today? Of women in technology. So, you know, I'm in a unique position. Um, I, you know, have a company called Kitcaster and mm -hmm. book entrepreneurs on top podcasts. That's all we do is we take entrepreneurs and we put them on podcasts um, and it's really fun because we get to see a broad spectrum of different entrepreneurs specifically we work with funded startup founders um, entrepreneurs with exits um, c-suite executives um, so from and prior to that i had a, a founders podcast that i recorded 300 350 um episodes of people talking about their entrepreneurial journey and had the pleasure of interviewing dozens of women in in tech and in stem fields and you know i'm i'm happy to say that you know they're very successful and it was really cool to hear about their story um and we do a lot, a lot of the same at kitcaster you know we have um 
just, uh, you know, I think we've got maybe 125 clients and I'd say probably, you know, a third, if not half are women startup founders. So right. we really work in a position to facilitate um, the conversations that they can have with not only the podcast host, but with that audience talking about their journey and kind of the, the problems that they're solving for. That's great. And I'm so glad that you give them a voice, you know, on different podcasts so that we can really start to work towards together bridging that gap so that we can get more women into technology. Unfortunately, you know, numbers are declining because they're through the pandemic, they've been leaving the workforce because there's so many demands on women with kids at home and learning at home and all of that, that becomes their responsibility. So um, we just have to keep encouraging and building that confidence to come back into the tech industry. Yeah, you know, maybe you could educate me about that a little bit because that's that's kind of what I was seeing too, the statistics where they talk about, you know, what that that everyone left the the, the job force and that there's um, the great resignation. Um, mm-hmm. But when you look statistically, it's like, well, actually, it just looks like a lot of moms. <laughs> yeah, know, yeah. Stayed it's home really- and that it wasn't like some mass exodus. It was just like it made sense for mothers to stay home um, because what are those kids going to do? You know, right. I was in a, a great position where my wife was was able to stay home with with my kids for through the kind of lockdown and pandemic. She's back to work now. Um, but, you know, my, my son was in sixth grade for when everyone's kind of going to school from home. And, you know, the the instructions I remember from uh, when they started doing school remote was like, hey, take a screenshot of this and email it to the teacher. And he's like, what's a screenshot? What's an mm-hmm. email? What are you talking mm-hmm. about? Right. So really for them to to kind of be where they are now, which is, you know, as well caught up as you could, it really took, you know, a full-time commitment from my wife to to work with them with online tutoring. So, yeah, you know, it's um, a, a lot of lessons were learned and I think a lot of mistakes were made. Hopefully we did kind of, we learned something that we can improve upon in the future for sure. Yeah, yeah, no, so that that's so true. And you're very fortunate that you had a wife at home that could take care of that, right? Because the learning had to happen for your kids. And if you were not home to guide that, it's very difficult to do. And in many cases, parents didn't even have the knowledge to guide that process. So um, it was just very unfortunate. And hopefully things are starting to go in the right direction again. I agree. Absolutely. So what are some qualities in an ally that we should look for as we build allyship? Because, you know, we need a support mechanism to get to equity. So how can allies support us? What are some of your thoughts? How can allies support who? Uh, Women. Support women. Oh, boy. I, you know. I don't know. That's a big question. Maybe I'll break it apart a little bit and maybe how I <laughs> can support mm-hmm. women. Right, right. Um, particularly, you know, I have personal interests because, you know, I, I have a daughter and I have a wife and I have mothers. Um, so, of course, I want to see them flourish and succeed. So I, I think that um, I'm certainly a person that has no shortage of opinions. <laughs> but, <laughs> you know, I think what's what's important, particularly if I'm speaking from a male perspective and I'm trying to understand uh, a female perspective or anybody who's maybe like 
um, has something different to offer than me mm -hmm. is just being really open to listening, you know, and, and not trying to exert my opinion or maybe not even to form an opinion, um, mm -hmm. but to take the opportunity to, to listen to other perspectives, um, particularly maybe ones that don't align with me and, and giving it on a shot. Um, so I think listening is a good shot, a uh, good first step. I, I think the second is probably good faith, you know, is entering into if it's a discussion or if it's a um, maybe a, a touchy topic that I'm entering in in good faith, that I'm not trying to trap anybody in some kind of semantical mistake or I'm not trying to um, begin with making any assumptions, but assuming that the person that I'm engaging with or perhaps trying to help become an ally um, is working from their own values and, and interests. And by relating to that, um, hopefully we can find some kind of understanding. And it, even if we don't ever find understanding, maybe we can be friends. You know, I think one wonderful thing I love about what you're doing in podcasting and in kind of my career in podcasting mm -hmm. is that conversation has this co component of human de decency baked into it mm -hmm. you know people will naturally kind of find common ground if given good faith um mm -hmm. so that's probably where i would start is listening and just entering in to uh any kind of discussion with good faith great those are great great points um listening is so important and good faith is so important you know we talk about so many people have unconscious biases that they don't even know they have because they're unconscious. But the awareness of listening and going in with an open mind really brings uh, brings those biases out in the open. And then you can really examine them to see if it's really a true feeling or it's just an unconscious bias, and then you can move from there. But the other thought is um, we need allies to give us a voice in on the t at the table when we don't have a voice. You know, there's sometimes we try to speak up, but in a room full of men, maybe we don't have a voice in that room. So to have other men or allies help us by giving us a voice is also very important. Mm. Well, I'm listening. I mean, I think that's, <laughs> you know, uh, I, I don't know too much about these subjects, but I do know my own personal bias that I'm loud and I'm a large person. And I'm pretty assertive, <laughs> you know, mm -hmm. <laughs> going into that with that understanding of who I am um, and also knowing how that might, particularly for women, if we are, let's say, like in a discussion and there's men and women in mm -hmm. the Conversation is making sure, um, especially, you know, in a leadership position, you know, I have tw 20 people on my team, a wonderful woman that worked for me is, is intentionally confronting any kind of potential bias by choosing to, to shut my mouth. <laughs> no, that's so, so good of you to have that awareness and to say that, because, you know, we need that kind of help. Uh, and we will do the same. We can be allies to others as well, you know, in different situations. There are some stay-at-home dads and you have to, you know, give them a voice at, you know, the mom's group or school or wherever. So it works both ways. You bet. Yeah. So, 
you know, we're in this whole new remote working world, um, Directions, my company. We've been remote for a while, probably like seven years now. Um, but, you know, this is new for a lot of people because of the pandemic. How do you effectively manage a dispersed workforce? You know, um, delicately and, and again, ready to learn. Um, there's a couple of things and different people have different capabilities again with working remote. Um, it, it was really difficult for me in the beginning. I started working from home maybe, I don't know, 12, 13 years ago. And for me, the thing that I really had to overcome was the gravity of the refrigerator. <laughs> I knew that there was tasty snacks that I could go get all the time and subsequently gained like 35 pounds. Mm -hmm. uh, so um, that was challenging. Um, but, you know, some folks got kiddos at home. Um, some folks have roommates. Um, it, there, there's a lot of just environmental things um, that, that need to be kind of dealt with. One, one way that we do it is we have certain standards about working remote. And one is just like having a dedicated workspace mm -hmm. that is mm -hmm. your office. You know, that, that office might double as your bureau um, after you're done with work. But <laughs> during work hours, you know, clear your spot and have a place that you can go sit down at work, um, I think is really important. Um, so, so that's huge. And also just to speak on work from home and, and the advantages that it has um, is I feel like there's kind of some, some human dignity baked into the kind of work from home culture, which is largely that, you know, we're working with professionals, we're working with adults and the, the assumption is, is that if you're working from, from home, you're managing your own time and you don't need to ask me if you need to go to the, the, your dentist appointment uh, or this morning, for example, when our kids were on, you know, two hour delay from school, you don't have to like say, Hey, I'm going to be a little late. You're managing your own time. And I, I feel like there's a, a certain like maturity that might've been lacking in, in corporate culture in particular. Um, as everyone was kind of like, you know, punching a clock, so to speak. Mm -hmm. So I, I think that advantage is, is really cool. And, you know, from a management standpoint, you have to make an adjustment for that. Um, Kitcaster, our company, um, is, you know, pulls a lot from um, traction from Gino Wickman, mm -hmm. you know, which is everybody has a number, which is to say that they're responsible for the output uh, not the input and the differentiation is you know if we're booking podcasts you have a, uh, x amount of podcasts you need to be booked well if you put in 100 hours a week or you put in 12 hours a week it's really not that's not what i'm worried about it's, it's not the input you know it's it's the output and um we're really fortunate that we can work from home and have that kind of work. I come from a retail background where it's all about input. <laughs> you know, mm -hmm. there's no, you, you have to be there on time because the store is open, man. We, someone's got to be there to, to check people out. Um, so, you know, now we have career paths that can facilitate work from home. So where I, I do think it's this great net positive, um, we're also careful to make sure that people don't get trapped in the gravity of the refrigerator or the gravity of, you know, playing golf a little too much. Some people can, <laughs> you give mm -hmm. them an inch, they take a foot and you want to make sure that they have the, the proper supports um, that that a, 
office environment can also provide people. So as we are organizing um, this work from home model, uh, we were flirting with the idea of just going 100%, um, you know, dispersed. Um, but for us, what works is having kind of an HQ where people can come um, and also having the option to work remote. Yeah, and I think, you know, different folks want different things, you know. And so it's it's interesting because you think there's so much, so you think everybody wants to work from home. And that's not always the case. There are people that need to leave their home and environment and go to a different environment to be productive. And I've I've really learned that about people in the last probably two years where I thought everybody would love to work from home. It's not the case. So um, so I like the uh, dedicated workspace. We do the same thing uh, because, you know, you can't have noise. You can't have distractions. Of course, through the pandemic, we all got more empathetic because, you know, yeah. not only you work from home, but your kids were now taking school from home. Maybe your spouse was working from home. So there was a lot of activity. The dog is in the room. The dog is barking. <laughs> so you just have more empathy for that because everybody's trying to do their best. Yeah, I, I really relate to that. A couple of things came to mind. One was how much I loved working from home until the pandemic and my kids were there. Then mm -hmm. I had to get out there. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and, you know, Prior to that, I worked from home for years and I loved, loved, loved it until the pandemic hit. And now I had to be on camera every day. Oh, I know. Yeah. <laughs> I'm like, okay, so it's the same as getting up, getting ready, getting showered, get, you know, starting your day, which is fine. But, you know, I love just coming to my computer first thing in the morning with my cup of coffee and just working in my pajamas. But I don't do that anymore. <laughs> oh, yeah, I know. Now, now we got the Zoom culture. It's like, oh, right. boy. I got to worry if about waste up, you got to have some business clothes on, right? <laughs> yeah, I was actually a little concerned about that. And I was like considering like this kind of nook in my house, it's like, well, maybe I could set this up. And then I had a Zoom call with a client and I was like, wow, she has an interesting jacket, but it was actually mm -hmm. her comforter and she was just in bed. Oh, in bed on Zoom, I was like, oh, okay, all bets are off. Anything oh, goes. Oh, man, anything goes. Yeah, people are, it's amazing, you know, what people will say or do. So did you know that there is an increase in the number of women leaving the tech industry? As a woman-owned business, Directions Training has made it our mission and passion to change this statistic. That's why Jennifer created this podcast. We showcase insight from everyday women for everyday women in the tech industry. Do you know other people that would benefit from tuning in? Share the link and help us drive the advancement of women in the tech industry. Do you have a journey or know of someone that our listeners would benefit from hearing about? Reach out to us at directionstraining.com slash podcast. Don't forget to follow us on LinkedIn, Facebook, and wherever you find your podcasts. Now, back to the show. So tell me something about what is emotional traction? Can you tell us more? Yeah, you bet. Um, you know, traction is something that I've been, uh, from a business standpoint, has kind of been my specialty. Um, okay. Prior to Hitcaster, I had uh, a company called Talk Launch, and we really focused on getting projects off the ground, you know, so taking ideas and launching them to market. Um, we did a lot of crowdfunding when that was kind of a viable source to launch products. So everything that kind of um, goes into that from branding to advertising to web development, product development, all that good stuff. Um, 
we we worked in that capacity. And so, you know, finding traction, you know, and validating a product became almost like a language to me and maybe a lens that I saw things. So, you know, emotional traction works in kind of a, a similar way, I suppose, in in the sense that you have um, a subject that you need to, to validate. Um, a lot of that might, if we're talking about um, an emotional state, is maybe kind of talking about what you were saying, which is like checking your personal bias. You know, what what is this um, emotional state arising from? Mm-hmm. Um, and this can get a little esoteric, I suppose, <laughs> um, it, because if you look at something, particularly emotions, uh, in too deeply, it, it the 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 source might might kind of um, be elusive, mm. lack of a better word. So finding emotional traction is really kind of having the independence and liberty to experience and express emotion without attaching it to a particular source um, Mm. might be tormenting you. And this is challenging because there are obviously things that have happened in the past that will create emotion. But what I found is to challenge myself in the sense that if an emotion arises, for me, traditionally it's always been dealing with anger you know mm-hmm. like where does this anger come from well um prior to some to some work in this area i might say like well i can look into the past and this this and this happened and that's making me angry mm-hmm. likewise i could look to the future and say well what if this happens what if that happens i i can't i can't imagine a world where this is happening that's making me angry but kind of on on some introspection I found that like really what I'm doing is I'm experiencing emotion and then I'm just validating it by kind of creating, I don't want to say an excuse, but finding a scaffolding to hang my anger on. Mm-hmm. And now finding emotional traction is to allow an emotion, you know, particularly a big emotion like anger to, to exist, examine it in my body. Um, be curious about it, but try not to attach it to things that have happened to me in the past or projections of a potential future. Um, and what I found is, is with these kind of techniques, these kind of practices, it shortens the duration of negative emotion, for example. Um, Very interesting. So, you know, for me, when I started working with that, with anger, I was able to find myself you know, if I was upset for some reason, let's say for two or three days, maybe by kind of um, observing it in this manner, um, that might shorten to one day. Um, and with extra work, it might shorten it to half a day. And with extra mm-hmm. work, it might shorten it to an hour, a minute, or, you know, I guess the ultimate goal is just a second, you know. Mm-hmm. Mm, that's amazing. So when you say that you feel the emotion, but then you examine it. Tell me, are there a series of questions you ask yourself or how are you examining it? Are you thinking like, where is this coming from? Why did it initiate? Tell me a little bit more about that. You bet. I bring it into like a real somatic experience. So interception. So anger, the way it arises in me is I can feel warmth on the back of my neck. Mm-hmm. I, can feel, I can feel the blood rushing to my cheeks. Mm-hmm. I can feel like um, acute uh, uh, visual um, uh, awareness where kind of mm-hmm. my feel 
narrows in like it's almost like a predation kind of response mm -hmm. so if if i can notice like oh you're getting angry what i'll do is go into my body and try and feel the sensation of that on the back of my neck mm. you know what does it feel like does it feel like um does it feel like pin points does it feel like tickling how far down my neck does it does it go what is the border mm -hmm. between the feeling of heat and the, the a feeling of coolness so really just like exploring the sensation in my body um to the point that it changes and then you notice that like okay now um my neck doesn't feel like that and now the feeling of anger has subsided because so much of big emotion is actually a physical sensation in the body mm -hmm. uh, so particularly this has been important with work because anger is something you know that that kind of is thrust upon us with it within a different delta <laughs> you know right right but let's say for example you get kind of an email that comes in hot and it, it's mm -hmm. somebody's upset and they say this 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 and this well that might just trigger like a fight flight or freeze reflex in me that biologically was put into my dna to protect me from large animals mm -hmm. you know <laughs> but actually mm -hmm. I'm sitting in a, a well um heated perfectly safe office but now i'm having this really visceral body experience so um while there is some palpable uh emotional material that you have to go through with big emotions it really shouldn't be triggered by email <laughs> right right so by using some of these techniques i i think it's it's allowed me to be more productive and um and also like kind of a back to the kind of good faith is like uh entering in to relationships online with that good faith and assuming positive intent um even if something is very blatantly rude you know it just might be mm -hmm. like you know maybe they're having a bad day i don't know what's going on in their world so i don't need to be um reacting in some kind of visceral uh, emotional way i love that i'm gonna have to practice that and understand it um and especially when it's stressful, like stress when, you know, you might be talking about anger, but for me, stress is a big thing. And then your body feels a certain way and really to examine it and try to eliminate it would be awesome. <laughs> yeah, like absolutely. And it's the hard work to do, you yeah, know, yeah. And there's a, there's a great acronym of it's sad, which is stress, anxiety, anger, addiction, and depression. Mm. So it's sad. Yep. <laughs> Yep, that um, is so true. And, and we all have these, you know, and there's there's ways, I think, particularly maybe in our professional career that gives us um, glimpses of some of this heavier material um, that we can work through and practice with in, in our professional lives that hopefully, you know, spills over into our personal lives and, and gives us a little bit of, of uh, soothing. Yeah, that's great. So, you know, I'm a visionary, I'm an entrepreneur, and I constantly come up with new ideas of ways to do things. And then I spurt it out to my staff and they need to process it. What are some of the best practices that you've used to prioritize ideas? Yeah, this is a good one because entrepreneurs are my people. Mm -hmm. and <laughs> we are, <laughs> we are, you know, like butterflies hopping around from one flower to the next. Mm -hmm. um, and it can be a little destabilizing, you know, so I, I think that um, what's been helpful for me in my career, particularly as I'm balancing 
ideas and what I should be doing, what I shouldn't be doing, um, is kind of putting some some rules around it, you know, just because of a couple facts. One, you don't want to waste a bunch of money um, in a project that is doomed. Mm-hmm. But two, you don't want to waste time uh, more than anything because you only have so much time, mm-hmm. you know. And so what we're doing, particularly if you have responsibilities, you have a family that you, you, you need to make the most of your time. So for me, I've created kind of a, a series of, of validations um, that keep me on track with my ideas. Um, and that is, you know, to kind of a gut check, you know, is this fun what I'm working on? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It's of service. And um, does it make money? <laughs> mm-hmm. right. Those are three things. And I, I can kind of go into that a little bit, but but also there's an organization of ideas because what's kind of also interesting about ideas is if you if you look where ideas come from, that's also kind of mysterious. Mm. They come from inspiration. They, they come out of the void and you have this idea. Um, and that, in my opinion, no matter how ridiculous in my experience, my ideas are there needs to be a home for that. And mm-hmm. the home needs to be not in my brain because the other thing about ideas is if you're chewing on something for too long, it kind of holds back some, some other stuff. So what I do is I use a Trello board, which is Ooh. folks aren't uh, familiar with the Trello board. It's basically, if you imagined taking post-it notes and just putting them across your desk left to right, um, Trello board is a digital representation of that. Okay. And what I do is each of those post-it notes, we'll call it on the Trello board, represents a different idea. And then I can stack and organize ideas underneath that that would support mm-hmm. that, let's say, a, a business idea. And then I organize the post-it notes from left to right, the ones that I'm prioritizing. So if you go look at my Trello board, the things that's furthest pinned to the left is what is getting the majority of my you know, time, energy, and money, um, mm-hmm. investment. Um, and as you trickle to the right are ideas that, um, are, you know, not as relevant to what I'm trying to do. If you get all the way to the furthest right, then there's this idea of a spinning soap dispenser that is in a walk-in shower, um, that I just have this vision for that I probably will never work on, but it's got a home on this Trello board. Right. Right. I love that. So, now, do the right ones move to the left ever? Absolutely. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. Sometimes mm-hmm. stuff jumps way to the front of the line. Mm-hmm. So, and it just depends on how it's working through that validation process, you know, because a lot of times, you know, for me, if, it, if it's not fun, I'm just not naturally going to want to do it. You know right. what I mean? So um, I, I have to prioritize that. If it's, it has to be of service because I believe that I'm, on this planet to help people, you know, and if it's, if it's not, if I don't feel like it's helping and it's not of service, then I just don't have time for that. And then it has to make money because if it didn't make money, well, then I would rather just sit in my closet and write love songs because yeah. I like, like, oh. <laughs> no. that's right. That's, that's I, don't, I don't have time right. to I do love that prioritization <laughs> because really it has to be fun. I tell everybody that if you're working and what you're doing, you're not loving it, then you got to go somewhere else and do it where you love it, you know, because work has to be fun. We spend a lot of hours 
working. Absolutely. And so if you can't make it fun, then you got to find something that you're so passionate about that you just love. And that's that's really so important. And yeah, at the end of the day, it has to make money. Otherwise, it's not worth my time. I, yeah. I love that. I love that. You know, so wow, I'm going to try this Trello board because I, I do have so many ideas and I'm going to, you know, start to organize them. Yeah, it's really fun. You know, it, it, it because you'll be going through things that have been on the right side of the board for a while. And then you'll there, there's just a little turn, a little spark where you're like, oh, mm-hmm. do you know how this can t- can create revenue? And then, boom, it's way over to the left. And then you can you add all the different information and the layers until it, you get tied into a knot. And then you're like, oh, well, OK, it moves over to the right a couple of spots. Um, yeah. <laughs> I love that. I love that. So how does service, fun, and profit help you validate your business models as we talk about, you know, these ideas? Yeah, you bet. Um, basically, that's going to put put it in the game. You know, that's going to, I'm going to act. If it's, if it's of service, it's fun, it's making money, I'm moving, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. So I'm going to basically um, create that product. Okay, and and I kind of have a, a strict validation mode, which is, you know, reaching out to people I know seeing if they'll buy it, if they do great, you know, working uh, from there to people I don't know, you know, this is on a one-on-one, these are phone calls, you know, mm-hmm. if I've got a new uh, product, service, you know, software idea, I, I call people that I think would be interested in it. I ask them if they would buy it. If they mm-hmm. say yes, I send them a link and say, buy it here. Mm-hmm. Um, and if it's gone from friends and family, colleagues, um, uh, clients, to people I don't know, people I don't know are are interested and they're purchasing it. And then I can bridge that gap. And now it's no longer a phone call, but rather I'm using kind of standardized marketing channels online. Mm-hmm. That mm-hmm. Now I feel like I have validated a product. Um, this product's ready to go. It will work. The, the mm-hmm. last kind of validation for me will be, you know, am I the right person to do this right now? Hmm. You know, um, I don't think there's, uh, I don't think there's any reason to do anything unless you're going to be the best in the world at it, mm-hmm. you know? So I'm going to ask myself, do I, can I be the best in the world at this right now? And if the answer is like, no, then even though I found kind of product market fit, I found an audience, I, I'm just not the person to do it right now. Mm-hmm. Um, and this, that's a, that's kind of a real hard one. Um, for me, traditionally, all of these validations actually have been excruciating. <laughs> because, hard, yeah. Because when you're putting ideas down, it's it's um, there's a real identity comp- component where you've mm-hmm. gone out on a limb and you told people I was going to do X, Y, Z, and you went out and did it. <clears throat> it didn't work out, um, and now you kind of you gotta gotta own that. People are going to ask you about it. Um, so there's a feeling that if the idea didn't work, well, man, that means I didn't work. Um, so kind of working through some of that personal material, um, can be really challenging. You know, you don't want to feel like a failure. You have to create, um, a distance between, you know, the, the success of the product and the success of you as an individual. Right. right. No, um, that's so, so good. 
because you know you have to fail in order to succeed people don't understand that sometimes they are so hard on themselves but if you don't try different things you're never going to get there you'll yeah. be always always wondering what if what if what if and so i always say you know when you learn when a child learns to walk they don't just start walking they fall quite a few times before they really start walking and then they start running because you know now they've got it down pat so you got to you got to start small and then take it you know along the path so that's great yeah. um so in closing and Ryan I've really enjoyed our conversation so much uh but in closing what advice would you give to a woman considering a career in the tech industry Oh boy. Um I've loved this conversation too Jennifer. I really appreciate it. Um uh, I, I one piece of advice that I gave my daughter is to go find the person that's doing the job you're interested in mm. and ask him how to get there. Um my daughter's a freshman in high school and talking to her about college. <clears throat> and she's you know I think like anybody you know, their hopes and dreams, you, you're a little timid about it, you know, mm -hmm. and she's like, well, I, you know, I, I, I really want to go to college in Hawaii, mm -hmm. you know, as a father, my heart drops because, you know, <laughs> for like the university of Hawaii, <laughs> <laughs> but, but what I, I told her, I was like, well, you know what, there, there's a, an admissions counselor, um, that works at the university of Hawaii and she can create a map for you mm -hmm. to get there, you mm -hmm. know, and that map may be really hard, you know, but you're, it, 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 it's not shrouded in mist, you know, um, the opportunities and potential for particularly women in technology are extraordinary. I've mm -hmm. met amazing women founders that have raised tens of millions of dollars of people that believe in what they're doing. Um, it's out there and these mm -hmm. women are vocal, you know, also, um, I think the biggest thing is 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 recognizing like your hopes and dreams are timid, but finding um, bravery and mm -hmm. then acting and finding that person that's doing the thing that you want to do and ask them for a map. And then you I can make a determination on your own whether you want to take those steps. Yeah, no, I love that. To have some kind of a framework or a roadmap or a journey map to show you what that path looks like to see okay, am I ready to jump into this? Is this something I want to do? But technology has so much opportunity for women today. And technology is just not always coding. There's so many different types of jobs within technology that women just are stellar at. So great advice. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Can you share with our listeners how they can get a hold of you? Absolutely. If you're interested in Kitcaster services, um, check out kitcaster.com. You want to go on podcast? That's a great place to do it. Um, if you want to reach out to me directly, LinkedIn is a great spot. If you, uh, my name's Ryan Estes, and you can kind of punch that in there. I'm affiliated with Kitcaster. You should be able to see my plaid shirt. Uh, <laughs> and I, I would be more than happy to to speak to any of your your listeners or people that are are interested in anything we covered today. Great. Well, thank you, Ryan. This was an honor to have you on the show. And I really, really enjoyed our conversation. Hopefully we can have you back again soon. I would love that, Jennifer. Thank you so much. Thank you for listening to Tech in the Right Direction. Please take a minute to subscribe or follow so that you never miss an episode. Also, don't forget to like, share and comment. 
Thank you. See you next week. From IT skill enhancements to end user adoption training, Directions Training is your resource to help optimize the effectiveness of your technology investments. Over half a million students have taken advantage of our wide selection of technology and business training solutions covering the most popular applications today, such as Microsoft 365, Azure, Windows 10, and more. As a podcast listener, we invite you to take advantage of an exclusive offer. Receive 30 days of free access to our Microsoft official curriculum on-demand courses for IT professionals or end users. Visit us at www.directionstraining.com slash podcast to claim this offer today. Hurry, this offer is only available for a limited time. Success is a journey. Ask for directions.